Blog Talk Radio. And I podcast is made possible by Teva Pharmaceuticals and the Griffin Foundation. I'm your host, Lauren Holder, and today our guest is Dr. Chaney Drew. Dr. Drew is a research fellow and senior trials manager working in the Center for Trials Research at Cardiff University. She has a PhD in neurobiology underpinning Huntington's disease and now works as a clinical trials researcher, primarily focusing on trials concerning neurodegenerative diseases, particularly HD. This includes trials of physical activity in HD and other complex interventions that may be used to modulate disease progression. Dr. Drew, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for the invite. Absolutely. So we're going to just jump into the questions here. And could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in research? Sure. So, um, uh, Going back some years now, um, I did my I did an undergraduate degree in pharmacology, um, and as part of that, um, in my final year, I did um, a small research project, um, sort of a, a library-based project, um, looking um, at Huntington's disease, um, and that really sparked an interest. Um, I thought it was um, uh, an extremely interesting um, uh, uh, a neurodegenerative disease, you know, just one gene, um, and, we, uh, and by that time we knew which gene um, caused the disease, um, but there was absolutely no treatment available, um, and it was a disease that, that really has devastating consequences for, for, for people who, um, who have that faulty gene. Um, so that made me want to go on <clears throat> when I was doing my PhD studies, um, and look for a project um, uh, that, that involved Huntington's disease. Um, and I was fortunate enough to, to find um, an HD lab um, at Cambridge University. Um, and so I went and, and did a, a PhD um, in the lab um, in the field of Huntington's um, uh, to, to sort of really get a, a good, good grounding um, in the disease. Um, and then for, for one reason or another, I, I moved away from um, working directly in Huntington for a little while, um, uh, down to, to geography uh, and various life, um, life choices. Um, but then I came to work at the, the Centre for Trials Research uh, about four years ago now, um, four or five years ago. Um, and there was already uh, clinical research in HD going on here. Um, and we're, we're, we're very closely linked with the um, Cardiff HD Clinic, um, who, who look after sort of all the HD patients in South Wales. 
um, and I was uh, sort of afforded the opportunity to go back and work on Huntington's disease again, um, uh, and I have continued to do so while while I've been here. Um, so it's 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 a pleasure to be back working in this field. Um, it's something that I really enjoy. Um, it's very interesting. I think there's still a lot of work that needs to be done to to help people with HD. Oh, absolutely, and we certainly appreciate the research that you're doing for us um, in the Huntington's community. And today, specifically, we're talking about your research, uh, physical activity and exercise outcomes in Huntington's disease, also known as PACE HD. Yes. Can you tell us what yes. prompted this research? Sure. So um, this is a this is a trial that we're running here. Um, it's run by Professor Monica Busser. And, uh, who's based here in Cardiff, and Professor Laurie Quinn, who works in Teachers College in Columbia University in New York. Um, and they have, uh, over, over the last 10 years or so, both of them are, are physical therapists, um, and over the last 10 years or so, they've been looking at the role of physical activity in Huntington's disease. Um, and over the, over the last uh, sort of... Uh, six to eight years, we've been running a number of studies of physical activity in HD um, to see uh, if there is any benefit. Um, and these have been quite small studies um, looking at very short-term uh, uh, physical activity, what we call it, an intervention, so a program of physical activity in people with HD. Um, and the results from those studies have shown that there probably is some benefit um, for people with HD to being involved in a physical activity program. Um, but the, the, as I said, the studies are quite small um, and the, the data that we have from that is not very conclusive. So we can't make any firm um, suggestions for people with HD about what it exactly is that they need to do. Um, so with PACE HD, um, what we have done is built on um, our last uh, clinical trial, which was called Engage HD, and we've lengthened the, the time of the, the physical activity intervention. So beforehand in Engage HD, it was, um, it was about 12 to 16 weeks in length that we were asking people um, to engage with physical therapy. Um, and now what we're doing is asking people to uh, engage with a physical therapy program for, for 12 months. Um, and it's really seeing if long-term physical activity is something that uh, people with HD can build into their lives simply um, and whether that has any um, benefits for them in terms of disease progression. Um, so we've, there's, there's evidence in animal models to show that um, physical activity, um, so by making mice run on wheels, that you can help improve their cognition and their motor function. Um, and we would hope that that would translate to the clinical setting as well. Um, but it's very difficult to, to, to know how the evidence from animals um, where we make mice run in a, in a cage on a wheel, um, what components of that are important um, for promoting um, change, physical change in, uh, through physical activity in people with HD. And so that's really sort of the, the underpinning of the research. That's extremely interesting, um, especially I, I participated in a, it was a small um, study with exercise. Um, I went down to mm -hmm. Dallas, Texas, and 
and actually participated and ran on the bike and they mm. measured, um, you know, intake of air and output and everything. So mm-hmm. um, is there any equipment that will be required uh, with this? Like, will you have to wear a band or um, or anything like that? Um, that's, a really, that's a really good question. So um, we, we have um, specific sites where this is happening. Um, and we um, we are we equip them with the um, the things that they need to do the the test, the assessments, which is where we get our data from. Um, so we we make sure that those um, sites have the right equipment in order to do the tests. But for the for the um, HD participants, um, we have a specific budget for each each participant who's randomized to the physical activity intervention. Because um, what I should say is what we're, what we're doing is um, taking a group of people and then um, they either get allocated to just their activity as normal, so they just carry on with their everyday life as they normally do, and the other half get um, randomized to this physical activity intervention, um, which they have a, an assigned physical therapist to help them with. Um, so, so we have a, a, a budget for each participant um, to either buy some equipment for them to be able to exercise at home. Um, you know, if they needed to buy an exercise bike, there's money for that. Um, or they could prefer to uh, use that money to buy a gym membership. Um, so we we support their participation in physical activity in that way, um, and. We do ask them to wear um, a Fitbit, um, so a, 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 it's like a watch that monitors your activity, um, and that's not so much for the participants um, uh, to to get something out of, um, but really that's for us to be able to collect data to see how much exercise people are doing over the 12 months. Um, without having to rely on them um, filling in diaries and questionnaires. Um, so that's that's why we're asking people to wear the Fitbit. Okay. And what are the um, requirements for people to participate in this study? Um, so, like with all clinical trials, we have um, we have um, specific inclusion and exclusion criteria. Um, so we uh, we specify that everyone needs to be over 18, um, and they need to be able to um, consent to take part in the study. Um, they aren't. Uh, they need to have a genetically confirmed diagnosis of um, uh, of um, HD, um, and we also we also stipulate that they must be a participant in Enrol HD already. Um, the reason for that is uh, the way that we've designed this study. Um, we we have two. It's what we it's what we call a nested um, randomised control trial. So we're we're wanting to get 120 people into the study, and 60 of those people, so half half of the total, will stay in a in an observational study. So they will never be asked to do anything um, beyond what they already do. Um, and then the other half um, will be randomised. So 50% of that other half will have 30 people randomized to um, activity as usual, and 30 people randomized to the control. And what we want to do is compare 
um, the data we collect at the beginning and the end of the studies um, to, uh, in conjunction with the data that is collected from them from enrol to see if we can use that enrol data in future studies um, to, uh, as a data collection tool so we don't have to ask participants to do as much um, in terms of data collection as we have done previously. So it's about reducing the burden on people with HD and taking part in clinical trials. So we've been working very closely with um, the uh, Enroll HD uh, group, and they've been extremely supportive of this study. Um, and we have gone through their, their, their data request process to, to get that data for, for the participants that are also involved in our, in our study. Um, and they've been very helpful by going into all of our sites as well. Um, and checking that all of the data is collected as it should be um, and that the people have been consented into the, into the trial properly and do all those sort of regulatory things that, that we wouldn't be able to do from such a distance. Um, so, uh, so in order to come into the study, because that's a really important part of what we're looking at, people have to be, um, have to be on Enroll HD. Um, and the only other thing that we stipulate is that people need a, a, a total functional capacity score between 7 and 13. Um, but otherwise, it's, it's, it's a fairly broad range of, of people with HD that, that we're, we're looking for. And obviously, you know, you said that you expect them to be in enroll, but not every enroll site will be doing case HD, correct? No, that's correct. So, um, again, we're we're slightly limited by budgetary constraints. Um, sure. uh, so we we've selected six sites um, across Europe and the US. Um, uh, so we don't actually have any sites in the UK, um, which makes it slightly different for us. Um, but we have two sites in Germany, two sites in Spain, and two sites in the USA. Um, all of whom are enrolled sites. Um, and to be, to, at the beginning of the study, we um, went through enroll and the enroll team um, and asked them to help us approach sites that may be interested in taking part. Um, and we have to go through a process of looking at individual sites to see if they would be able to support um, a trial such as PACE HD. Um, and enroll actually have been very helpful in, in supporting us with that. Because um, obviously there, there are certain things um, uh, that the site need to have, or a certain number of people. So sites where they need, where they already have physical therapy, um, because we need the therapist to be able to deliver the intervention, uh, and we also need sites that are big enough and uh, to be able to to recruit the numbers of people that we need for the trial. Let me go a little away from this for just a second. Are you doing any other, sure. are you personally doing any other research uh, for Huntington's right now? Um, yes, uh, certainly in the, um, here in the Centre of Child Research, I'm involved with um, another two um, HD research projects. Um, one is run um, again by uh, Prof, uh, Monica Busser, and that's called Domino HD. Um, so that's not a trial, um, but it is a, uh, a European consortium um, project 
So we have partners in Spain, Germany, Ireland, um, Poland, I must not forget any now, and Switzerland. Um, and that's about looking at a combination of lifestyle factors. So we're looking at physical activity, sleep, um, nutrition, um, and also involving the genetics of people with HD. And we're, what we're trying to look at is um, ways of uh, building a, a digital platform and of measuring all of those aspects about people's lifestyle to develop a new intervention, a lifestyle intervention, to promote um, uh, not necessarily healthy living, but uh, help people with HD to, to live as well as they can um, with a view to that having an impact on disease progression um, or potentially because one of our one of the other um, sort of concepts around around um, domino HD is that um, although by having a, a healthier lifestyle um, so making sure that you sleep well um, engaging in physical activity making sure that you eat well um, not just having not just that having an impact on disease progression, but that that may be really important um, in helping other treatments that may become available um, in being as effective as they may be. Um, so when I when I talk about other treatments, I'm talking about things like the antisense oligonucleotide therapies that that are being trialled by Roche at the moment. Um, so that's one study, um, and the other study is um, called uh, is a trial. It's called Trident, um, and that's a, a very early phase trial looking at um, fetal cell transplants in people with HD. Um, so that's a, a much more invasive um, research study where we're asking people to um, undergo neurosurgery. Um, and have a transplant of cells into their striatum, um, which is the area where cells are lost um, in the brain in HD, um, and have those cells replaced in the hope that we can rebuild those, those really crucial networks um, of cells to, to improve brain function, um, which is uh, uh, another line of research that, that, that we're quite heavily involved in in Cardiff in general. Um, and, and that's also a fascinating study. Um, there's lots of lots of regulatory issues to to, to work around, um, and lots of ethical issues as well. But it's a it's a very interesting study. Um, so that's the other oh, one yeah, that I'm involved like in at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds very interesting. We, we I might also, actually have you uh, talk about that another time. Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to. Um, before I let you go, do you have any um, final comments for the Huntington's community? Um, just to say that I, I think we're, with all of the, the new trials that are going on, so the trials like Trident um, and the Roche trials, um, I think we're entering a really exciting time in terms of HD research. Um, you know, up until now, there, there have been a lot of, there's been a lot of hope um, in with, with the drug trials that have that have come through, but nothing's really um, made a big difference um, in terms of therapy for people with HD. Um, and it really seems now that we're we're on the cusp of a, a very exciting time where we could we can really find realistic treatments 
that are really going to help people with HD. Um, and it's it's very exciting to be um, in, involved in that um, uh, in that sort of um, era of research. Um, and just to say thank you to all of the people with HD who take part in all of these studies. Because um, as researchers, we ask you to do a lot, um, and and we realise that it's you're 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 taking quite a leap of faith um, sometimes, especially with the very early stage trials that, that we run. Um, and we're forever grateful that you, you give up your time um, uh, to take part in those, those studies. Yes, and you know, as somebody who's tested positive for Huntington's and is also a caregiver mm -hmm. um, for my father, you know, I've got to say I'm just so excited about all the research that's going on, and we certainly appreciate our yeah. researchers working so hard for us. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it is an exciting time, and uh, you know, I think everyone's very hopeful that that in the next 10 to 15 years we'll really find um, a treatment that that can help people with HD. Well, Dr. Drew, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking with me today. I truly appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, Lauren. It's been a pleasure. And you take care. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.